Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Heels in the Courtroom. I'm Mary Simon, and I'm joined today by Erica Slater and Amy Gunn. Hey, ladies. Hello. Hey. So I have a problem, ladies, and you guys are going to solve it for me, and that's how to deal with delay tactics in cases, in litigation, in life. If you want to go there, that's fine, too. I can always use some advice. Delay tactics are right now something that I... I feel like I'm just dealing with day in and day out. I said this to my husband a couple weeks ago that everyone around me who I'm working, I guess not technically working with, but working against, it is their sole job every day when they wake up in the morning to stop me from accomplishing any tasks that I want to accomplish to move my cases forward. And I mean, it goes from lean resolution to scheduling depositions to getting motion hearings anything that I have on a to-do list it is someone's job to not let me accomplish those things (laughs) I know how to do them I know how quickly I can do them but there's always pushback on the other side and so I was thinking about delay tactics I'm sure that they're not just limited to our profession although we deal with them a lot I started researching that by looking at my own case list (laughs) and looking at all the things that I've been trying to get done that haven't gotten done yet. And when I, when I went to research about delayed tactics (laughs) online, not just thinking about, you know, the, the issues that I deal with that we deal with every day, it was funny because I didn't type in law or lawyer or anything. I just (laughs) typed in, you know, dealing with delay tactics. And some of the first things that came up were, why does your lawyer drag out your case? <laughs> How fast should your lawyer be getting back to you? Oh. Client neglect. And then I sat there and thought about Taylor Swift's song that it's me. Yeah. I'm oh. the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I was like, okay, I need to go back and reevaluate the way I'm viewing delay tactics and, and rather than, you know, just getting annoyed by them, I got to come up with some solutions to how to deal with just the slow moving pace in cases. Some stuff I understand you can't help, but a lot of it you really can. And my general rule of thumb is I'm going to play nice with scheduling conflicts until it gets to a point where it's really going to impact my client. And most of the time that's the trial setting. And if it's going to impact that, then I'm going to stop with the okay, we'll reschedule it. Okay, we'll pick next week. Okay, next week we can... I just... It's so frustrating to me. And some of the ones that I run into most often, at least in the last couple months, are constantly rescheduling depositions because my client's not done treating. And our clients are not ever going to be done treating. Mm -hmm. So I... That is one in particular that I just... How to... I've said that to other attorneys. It's never going to be over. That is why we're in litigation, there's never going to be an end date where you have all the records with a bow on them. Another is continuing depositions in the middle of them, you know, oh, I, you know, maybe we can come back and and revisit this. I'm just, ah, it's driving me nuts. Another is just the general comment of we won't have enough time to. And when I read that from another attorney, I'm thinking, why are, why do you think we won't have enough time to do something? Just if we just do it. Start. <laughs> just make the time now. If we're not working on this one, we're working on a different one. So just make the time now. 
And the last one that I talked to Erica about is is quite literally just being ghosted by the other attorney <laughs> when it's time to pay the money. Just send me the checks. These are things that I'm struggling with right now. And I have items on my to-do list on various cases that I'm I'm just waiting for the other side to confirm a date or confirm a time. And I, I want that to speed up. And I don't know how to deal with these constant, what feel like constant delay tactics. So please solve my problems for me, please. Give me a specific issue and let's solve it. Oh, a specific problem. Yeah. One is setting witness depositions in a case. I have gotten a hold of witnesses. I have set the depositions. I get an email back. The dates for those witnesses don't work for me. We'll have to find new dates. Nope. Do I just keep them set? I th- if you have deadlines to meet pursuant to case management orders or trial dates, I am the first one to say, well, first let's send out a couple of dates. This witness is available on June 1st or June 10th. Pick a date. If neither one works, which could be the case, then sometimes I'll look for one more as long as it's within a reasonable time frame. And if none of those works and it's the deposition I need, I set it. And, and guess what? Usually Someone happens. Shows up. How about that? Because what are they going to do? File a motion to, to quash your deposition notice? So I, I'm going to sound more aggressive because I know what the answers are. Whether you choose to implement them or in what way, I think is stylistic. But there are answers. And so starting out with get deadlines, get a case management order as soon as possible, because then it's not really your deadline, it's the court's deadline. Well, we've got until June 30th to get these depositions done, my friend. I've given you four dates. It's going to have to happen. And if you want to, you know, go to the court and try to get it quashed, I guess that's up to you. And you can do all these things in a very reasonable manner. I think what happens is we want to be cooperative because I truly believe you get more bees with honey. And, I mean, like you actually, and again, I get what I want mm-hmm. by being cooperative. And, and I can be convinced that there's more than one way to get what I want, but I never keep my eye off what I want. So if I can get what I want by giving you an extra week to find another date, I'm fine with that. When you start messing with my goal, well, that's when it's not going to really work that well. If you have, the, the thing I do is I'm a pest. I need a depot date. I need a depot date. I need a depot date. I mean, I will, or have someone on my team, email or call every day and tell, if I'm being ghosted, which you know when you are. You, you know when people are truly just trying to get dates and you know when you're being ghosted. I'm currently being ghosted. I just filed a motion to compel today. And that's what you have to do sometimes. And you teach people how to treat you, right? So if you're constantly saying, okay, here's 16 more dates six months from now, well, that's what you're teaching them that you'll do. Right. If you start out by saying, you know what, I'm, I, I got this deadline. The court ordered it. We all agreed to it. It didn't come out of nowhere. It's been on the books for six months. Here's what we need to get done. Here's the date to get it done. And then it becomes their problem. 
I, like I said, I sometimes you just have to get the court involved. And a lot of times what happens, you file the motion to compel and it miraculously you get a date. Right. Yeah, um, I, I, set a, I set some depositions and the attorney on the other side of the case emailed me and said, is there a reason why these depositions all have to be set in the next two weeks? And it, I hope you didn't answer it. No, I did not answer it. But I so badly wanted to reply it's my job <laughs> and yours. I, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> is that a rhetorical question? Why, why aren't they done yesterday? I mean, they, you know, I, because they weren't done yesterday. Yeah, they weren't exactly. done in the last two weeks, so they'll be happening in the next two right. weeks. Um, and and something else that I've run into is, in a case where I'm sure that this happens often in our in our office, where you'll file the lawsuit, take a couple of depositions, and need to add whether it's an employer or just someone else whose name comes up in a deposition. But I've had that happen before, and it doesn't change anything about the nature of the case, the right. facts of the case, the the counts. It's just an adding a necessary party to the litigation. Sometimes it's even the same attorneys on the other side. And that sparks a, it's like, ooh, another reason to get a continuance. Right. And I, on those, I, I haven't actually taken that up yet with the judge in one case that I have. And I'm, I'm curious about how to handle that because in, in my head, the main thing is nothing has changed and everyone who needed notice about this has had notice. Right. It's because justice delayed is justice denied. Yeah. So the longer it takes for us to get our cases through the system, the longer the defendant keeps their money. Right. So it makes sense. It's frustrating. And I do know, as we all do, that things eventually resolve. But we have clients to answer to. I mean, we've all heard defense attorneys tell us no because the client, because they're co. And, and when I would respond, if I'm not being cooperative, so to speak, I say, well, my client wants this done. And they, they don't believe you. Because, I mean, you know, you just represent a person. I represent a corporation or right. whatever. Like, well, I'm sorry. That's, did I just say I'm sorry? Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I wouldn't have noticed. I know. We don't ask anybody. me. If I, Erica, what do you do? With delay tactics? I was going to say, no. a few uh, How about this one, Erica? The client will have medical care and have up an upcoming appointment scheduled. And the attorney will just in the moment say, well, you know, maybe we'll have to take that, have another supplemental deposition after that medical care is done. And I just say no. Should I not be saying no? I don't. Yeah, I feel like this has happened to you a lot. It has it's happened it, to me so many times. It has. And, and I, I don't, that really doesn't happen. I'm not sure if that happened It is in me. I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I. it's just a hard line. Like something else might happen in their life the day after the deposition that may change your opinion of the case, defense attorney, but you're not going to redepose my client. So get it done. I mean, you you'll continue to comply with discovery and they have an authorization I assume to get your clients records for from here until eternity throughout the case so yeah I mean I do think that's been a delay tactic in some of your cases I want to level set a little bit based on my past experience and Amy I'll be interested to see if you had the same uh, impression so I used to do insurance defense first couple of years of my career and this office and the way that we handle and work up our cases we have a sense of urgency with everything we do we drive ourselves 
nuts and stay up at night worrying because we're handling multiple cases at a time and doing our damnedest to move them forward and get to trial and get to a resolution because one, our clients deserve it. Two, that's the only way to get anything done when you are on a contingency fee. You know, that, I mean, the different way that plans with that, I think that's, it's, you know, something both sides say, and I, I don't sure. think it's necessarily fair in every circumstance, sometimes. But when I was on the defense side, there were firms like ours that we worked against who knew what their proof was going to be, had their witnesses lined up, knew what they were doing in the case six months from now, knew, know how to work up a case, know what proof they need and evidence they need to collect and go after it and prosecute that case diligently, successfully with razor sharp precision. We are cardiac surgeons. We are brain surgeons of what we do. That is not every firm. And on an insurance defense, I would have opposing counsel that like they'd file a case and my client would be asking like, what's this? Do we have discovery? Do we have this? And the answer Nothing. was no for like, like they wouldn't answer discovery for a year. And, and, you know, it's kind of like, well, they're not prosecuting their case. So at what point do you make the plaintiffs build their case against you? You know, so it was a balance. These are real problems that we deal with every day. But I also want to give you the perspective of that is also a two-way street sometimes depending on which what type of practice you have or who your opposing counsel are because obviously we get to pick our clients we get to pick our cases and defense attorneys don't get to do that now to be fair the type of cases that we handle in practice we're usually working against you know repeat opposing counsel they do the same thing we do if we're bringing a case and we're litigating against them there's no reason to think that we're not going to go forward in the normal fashion. And if we work as hard as we possibly can and everybody's cooperating, you're still looking at a year and a half, two and a half years to get to trial. So, and that's so hard for our clients to understand. Quite frankly, the corporate clients should understand yeah. that so much better than our, you know, individual people who are our clients. So when it comes to combating delay tactics, the power that you have to use the rules as far as setting depositions and taking them to task, taking up motions, scheduling orders can be much more powerful, I think, than, than I have used them in the past. I have some new ideas about things I'm going to put in my scheduling orders as far as you know things to schedule out the case or to expect down the road. But at the same time, depending on where you use those tactics, they could come back at you. So if you unilaterally set a bunch of depositions in the beginning of a case, when there's no trial date, there's no scheduling order, you haven't even talked to an opposing counsel, I'm not saying you do this, but that's going to start things off really poorly. And we all have schedules, we're all you know balancing several cases. Um, and we all want to pretend like it's the only case we're working on because we, we don't want anyone to, you know, see us sweat, right? Like, of course I can get that depo done. Of course I can do this. I, I need no grace, right? Anywhere. I'll beat you at midnight on a Friday night. Yes. Ten buck two. If and that's yep. where you want to take get this it. depo, I'm going Saturday morning I'll be there every yes. Saturday. Let's Absolutely. schedule all the depositions in the case on Saturdays. Yeah. Well, and, and, we, and we have that 
like persona and you know everything will work out we agree we agree we'll, we'll make it work because it combats the oh i don't know if we're gonna have enough time to get this done we're probably gonna have to move the trial date or hey judge we have this case set for two weeks i don't know with all those experts it might go into a third week are you sure you can get this done judge mm -hmm. are you sure we should try this case in a month which is when a jury will decide that my clients need to pay a lot of money. Right, right. <laughs> you know? So, right. so yeah, I, I mean, I think that our full speed ahead can't bother me. I'm there. I can get it done. You know, the, the no excuse approach can be exhausting, but also I kind of let all those delay tactics and, and, you know, conditioning that your opposing counsel is trying to do to be like, well, I don't know if we can get it done. I'm just the eternal damn optimist in the room. <laughs> and I'm like, sure we can. Yeah, we can. I don't have a good answer for it. I think each case you have to be very strategic about how you use the things you need to. And I absolutely, like Amy's saying, you give them enough chances, then you have you have license to set that deposition unilaterally, give it a date, don't even talk to them when they complain about it, ghost them. Ghost right. them when you set your depo, wait until the depo gets there, let them file a motion if they need to. If, if you sincerely have you know, given them the benefit of the doubt and enough rope, then you are well within your right to get your case done and go forward. So I, the long and short of my answer is be careful and use the rules as you need them when you need them. Otherwise, just be an optimist. Yeah. And I, you know, I filed a case last year. And when I went up to court to get a trial date and a scheduling order, the other lawyer showed up and said, I don't know why we have to do this so fast. And I looked <laughs> at him like, I am not the right audience for that comment. <laughs> I'm like, we're at, we're here. We're here to get why would we not be here? And I think it's because I don't have, I only have the experience of working at this office with two parents, especially one parent who treats everything with a sense of urgency. Yes. Everything. Yes, he does. So if we're not doing it now, there's, there's no reason why we're not doing it now. Just, you know, the same hour that we decide what needs to be done one hour later, I'll be asked if it's done yet, and it'll be setting eight depositions. Well, and so also it's like, uh, of course, I'm going to unilaterally. When someone's like, "Why are you doing this?" I'm like, you know. Yeah. So it's ugh. well, and I mean, you don't need to justify things like why are we setting this case for trial when we just ex exchanged written discovery. You don't have to justify that with an answer because it's silly. But the answer is, by the time we start thinking about, oh, we're we're probably getting close to being ready to try this case then your trial date will be a year away. And what are you going to do? Finish working up your case within the next two and three months and then sit there for seven months? No, it's going to drag out. And all of a sudden your client's going to have had another doctor's visit and you apparently are going to get a request to redepose them. And then I we're going to start the case over. It happens every time to me. I just, it boggles my mind. I'm like, what, what can I possibly say to articulate to someone that it's the damages are never going to be done? Now, one thing I've thought about is just say, if you're worried about that, then wait till the day before trial to take my client's deposition. Yeah, but we're not going to not do anything else until then. Exactly. I'm like, if that's what you need to do on your end, you go for it. That's what I wrote when you said that the first time Mary was, oh, they're taking, they need more time 
to take my client's deposition because she's still seeing a doctor. Okay, but there's no reason why I can't take your defendant's deposition. Of yeah. course. Oh, wait a minute. There's I have to no take order. yours first. Yeah. There's no, no, order. no, no. There's no order. Yes, I have the burden of proof. Yes, that's traditionally the way it works. Custom, at least in this jurisdiction, is that the plaintiff gets his or her deposition taken first, and that's sort of the, the first domino that falls. But that's not a rule. So if they want to delay taking your client's deposition, okay. But I need the defendant's deposition, and we're still going to name experts on time. And if you want to wait to take my gal's deposition or my guy's deposition, okay. But here's the date that I want your defendant. Like, I'm not arguing with you anymore. But these things need to happen. We've got a scheduling. And it starts with getting a case management order every time. I mean, the, the mantra here is get a trial date, get a trial date, get a trial date, get a trial date. And what that really means is get a trial date and then work backwards on your due Deadlines. dates. Deadline. Yeah. Yeah. So get a trial date, work backwards, put it on the calendar, and get your shit done. Now, I will say, when, when I was at court getting a trial date with the attorney who said, I don't know why we're doing this so <laughs> urgently or quickly or whatever, he said, it's an auto case. Right. And when I went to get the trial setting, the judge, when the other lawyer threw out dates, the judge said, he, he grabbed kind of the petition and kind of glanced at it and said, you really need that long for this case? Right. And I kind of looked at him and looked at the judge and like, nope, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. We could try this in six months. Yeah. Like, we really could do it. And the judge gave, he, you know, he found a time in between right. <laughs> the six-month date that I asked for and what the other attorney wanted. And I, I have found that especially, air quotes, post-pandemic, a lot of judges want to move they really want to keep moving their dockets along because of how much it got backed up. Mm -hmm. So that has been helpful. And, you know, something else I, I always forget is that the scheduling order, yes, by party's agreement, you know, it, it can be changed, but it's a court order. Yeah. I kind of forget that because the attorneys are the ones who are always, true, you know, working within it. But when you can use it yeah. to your advantage you to get things done. You don't have to agree to extend those dates because although you agreed to them jointly with the other side... They're the if the judge signs the order, they're the judge's dates. Now, yeah. if you're in federal court, Oof, that rings true. That rings true. But I mean, you know, and the judge wants to see lawyers working together. I think, I think, like, you know, fickle discovery disputes or scheduling disputes always hurts plaintiffs more than defendants when we're going up there because it's just a distraction. Like, you're right; those kinds of things, and and, and even inciting you to have to take up a bunch of stuff with the court right. are distractions are delay tactics in and of themselves and if you can find a way to navigate that or have like a kumbaya conversation with the attorney which i don't know i for me that's been effective i will call someone on the carpet try to disarm them say like come on can you cut the shit like what are we doing here and sometimes that think. works and and sometimes it doesn't or it works for the next month and then we're back to back to the bad behavior the month after that. But I, I try to be nimble and maneuver and talk to you guys when I have like a particular problem, which I know isn't a one size fits all <laughs> answer at all. Oh, a lawyer just said it depends. <laughs> well, and I'm thinking about, we just named experts in a pretty big case. I think we have, I don't know, a, a lot of experts. <laughs> Seven or eight, maybe more, I don't know. Quite a bit. And we named experts at the first of the month, just a few days ago. And 
I am thinking right now I need to get dates for those experts because the defendants won't ask. Right. They won't ask. And we have 60 days within the court order between naming our experts and, and getting them deposed. Why, ask yourself, why would the defendant want to rush to get those done? Because that just triggers the time within which they have to name theirs. So if we're going to go with justice delayed is justice denied, then they're not going to call me mm-hmm. and ask for dates. And so I need to now follow up with an uh, email to them saying, you know, Dr. X is available on these dates. Dr. J is available on these dates. Pick a day. Because I won't, I don't want to be 60 days later thinking, oh, I guess it's time. Why, why haven't you guys asked for depot dates? Because they're going to say, why haven't you provided them? And now we're 60 days later, and all of a sudden my trial date is in jeopardy. So it is incumbent upon, if, if I want those depots done within the next 60 days, I have to set them. And if I want to keep my trial day in April, I have to stay on it. So, and I guarantee the first email we send out with available dates will be ignored. Right. And I, and I always also think too, one of the things that's so frustrating about it is that I think a couple steps ahead when I'm like, okay, well, if I, if I do unilaterally set these depositions, what, what actually will happen if I just set them, mm-hmm. they will either file a motion that will go to court and say, you know, the efficiency of the plaintiff's firm is not great for me. (laughs) Okay. That's fine. Or they'll just show up. Yeah. I don't know. Or they won't show up and at least I'll have my testimony locked in and won't be, you know, I, I always think what are the actual practical implications for my client? Right. Not necessarily. What is that lawyer going to think of me if I keep doing this? Cause quite frankly, I'm at a point where I just don't care. I just have a job to do and that's to get these depositions done. And one of the things that Erica was talking about that I think it, it, it frustrates me and a lot of, I'd imagine, plaintiff's attorneys is the extra effort to have to go to the hearings. Like I have a, I have a motion to enforce settlement next week and it's, oh, and it's no. over an hour away and it's just, it's been months and I don't, you know, I've tried so many different ways to get the check in and I I'm just setting it, and I'm, I got half of it in after I filed the motion. What? But I'm still waiting, so I'm going to court. It, it is unmatched, I think, in what we do when you get a client in, sign that client up, work up the case, file the case, litigate the case, get the case ready for trial, and settle the case. And you're like, finally, all this work, all this effort. And everybody agrees the case is settled, and for this amount— and then the check doesn't come? Yes. The, it is unmatched in how infuriating that makes me. So I feel your pain on that. And, and what's the recourse? Okay, file, file a motion to enforce the settlement. Is there a dispute about release language no. or anything like that? No. Okay. But the amount of time I have to take to go back, I you know, I went and moved the case from my closed email folder back to the active and i hope that judge also appreciates the infuriating nature of where you are right now yeah i know we get a bad rap like our money's not in no it's the client's money is not in and we have processing to do even after we get the money in yeah we can't you know there's there's things that we have to do on our end that also take time 
and that's the thing. It's just so much time being. But it a, uh, it will resolve. You've done everything you need to do to get it to resolution. Right. This is an extra step. It's infuriating, but hopefully the judge will see it your way and order it to be done within a very short period of time. Twenty four hours. Yeah, and penalties. Of some sort without right. it being done. I don't know. When I think about things that, that I wake up in the middle of the night worrying about, it is almost always, why hasn't this been done? Yeah. So that goes to calendaring and setting reminders. I'll do it myself or ask you know, one of my staff to, I'm sending out the email for deposition dates for the defense experts. If we don't hear anything, calendar for one week for me to start you know, ramping it up. Mm-hmm. But if I don't remember, and, and that's what they've done to us. We have to set reminders to remind people to do <laughs> their know. job. In addition to just the day-to-day do deadlines that else. we're working up. Yeah. It's just, it's just part of the job. I just, it's been an overwhelming part for the last couple of weeks. One of the biggest, most helpful things that I, that I have taken away from this conversation is that I really am going to lean into the rules on, on both sides, if I need something to get done, need to get something done, I'm going to do it. And even if it's a little bit annoying to the other attorney, I know what rules they can use, even in terms of filing a motion. And if it's on something that I'm being completely reasonable about, yeah, setting something out a couple weeks, getting it set, then I'm happy to go to court when it's really close to my office and <laughs> the hearing with the judge. But Well, and one more thing that you mentioned earlier about requests at your client's deposition for subsequent or supplemental depositions. That's a hard no, right? That's a hard no. So you can do one of two things. Ignore the request because I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. I'm not going to say yes or no. And you don't get a second deposition of the same person as of right. So what you have to do is either, okay, sure, if three years has gone by of course. and there's been significant treatment, then if you want to come and take my client's deposition and ask only about that additional treatment, I can agree to those boundaries. But otherwise, you're going to have to ask the court to take my client's deposition again. If it's just a few extra doctor visits that you have the, the records from, no. Right. You don't get a second. That's an interesting thing. And I've, it's happened over the years. I just, I don't say anything. (laughs) Yeah. I don't say yes. I don't say no. I was like, well, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Because there's no use fighting about it right now. Exactly. It doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be discussed. And I feel like the the few times where it has happened that we actually had, have had to go to court, the judge has never allowed it. Right. Because it's, 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 when does it stop? When does it stop if we allow this? Right. Everyone has a different viewpoint from the day they get deposed on the day of trial. A little bit, you know? Yes. But yeah, I'm, I, I, this has been really helpful. I feel better even talking about being aggravated over the last couple of weeks. Well, you're not alone. Right. It doesn't just happen to you. It is unfortunately a little bit of business as usual in the world of litigation. Yeah. And maybe I'll. I'll listen to an episode of Heels in the Courtroom on my long drive to the motion to enforce the settlement <laughs> hearing to calm me down or ramp me up. That's right. Before the hearing. Get up. But anyway, thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. 
Don't forget our episodes drop on Wednesdays and you can always reach out to us with comments or questions at heelsinthecourtroom.law. See you next time. Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. At The Simon Law Firm PC, we believe in the power of pooling resources in order to create powerful results. We often lend our trial skills and experience to lawyers around the country to achieve better results for their clients. Our attorneys welcome the opportunity to work with you on your case, offering vast resources, seasoned litigators, and a sterling reputation. You can contact us at 314-241-2929. And if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to share your thoughts with Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And subscribe today, because the best lawyers never stop learning.